Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week we're featuring a recent conversation with filmmaker Lucas Daunt on his latest film, Close, which was recently nominated for Best International Feature at the 95th Academy Awards. Moderated by critic Thelma Adams. This talk was first exclusive for FLC patrons. If you're interested in supporting FLC by becoming a member and exploring member benefits, visit filmlink.org members for more information. Leo and Remy are two 13-year-old best friends whose seemingly unbreakable bond is suddenly, tragically torn apart. Winner of the Grand Jury Prize at the Cannes Film Festival, Lucas Daunt's second film is an emotionally transformative and unforgettable portrait of the intersection of friendship and love, identity and independence, and heartbreak and healing. Close is now playing in theaters. Let's continue to the conversation. This is a fabulous and very emotional movie. Um, let's just start at the beginning. Where did you, where, where was the seed of the idea? Where did that come from? I think, so when I returned to my, my desk and to that white page waiting for me there, <laughs> staring at me back like, what are you going to put on here? I, in the beginning I was really, I, I, I was really blocked making a second film. I feel like it was a very different process from writing a first one. Was the first one you wrote it on spec on the fly or no? I, f- I felt like it was more intuitively. Mm-hmm. I was less aware of the, 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 the outside world looking along, right. I would say. And I was reading a lot and all of a sudden I stumbled upon a book called Deep Secrets by a New York psychologist who actually spent five years in the lives of 150 boys. That's pretty amazing, right? That is very amazing. And at the age of 13, she asked them to talk about their male friendships. And what is incredibly beautiful is that when you read these testimonies, it's really like they talk about love stories. Like their language is so tender, so loving. They really describe each other as the most important person in their lives. And they don't self-edit. And they don't self-edit. To this person, to this psychologist, they talk very openly about that love. It's not at all the narrative of Lord of the Flies that sometimes we get presented with boys. Right, 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 right. But at the age of 16, 17, 18, she re-asks these boys these same questions, and you just feel how they don't dare to speak with that vocabulary anymore when it comes about speaking of each other. And it's like they have understood in the meantime that that emotional connection is not something that is desired for them. And well, I, that, that's just so mind-blowing and true. Yeah, and I think that when I read that, that really that deeply the... impacted mm-hmm. me. Because I have the, also had the feeling that from a young age, I really started to fear intimacy in my friendships. And of course, when you're young, you think you're the only one feeling certain things. And I also thought that it was very linked to my queer experience growing up. But then when I read all these testimonies of these boys, it made me realize that it isn't about sexuality. It is about masculinity. And it's about being 
a young man growing up and understanding that in this world masculinity is so often linked to virility and to being independent, emotionally more restrained with emotions. Not, not crying. Not crying is one of them. Right. And that intimacy is not something that you can find in, in a friendship with another young man. And I feel like we live in this society where men are told that if they want to find intimacy, that the only place that they can look for it is, is it actually in sexual relationships. And that is something that I really wanted to unpack. And I wanted to showcase a friendship on screen that we so rarely get presented, an intimate, sensual one but then also show what the loss of that tenderness and the loss of that connection does to us. Exactly. And I think also as a mother, I know that there's a point when, you're, when you have a son where one minute they're yummy and hold your hand and then the next minute they pull away. So it's this whole, this whole process of pulling away that's kind of imposed on young men. Well, I think it's also, it's about, I mean, that action of pulling away and, and, and being pulled away, I feel like it's also something that is very much linked to friendship. I think we've all been in that place where, for reasons we can't describe, a friendship changes course. Um, yeah. A friendship changes, someone pulls away and we can't understand why and it leaves us heartbroken. And that is something that we have all felt, although heartbreak is so often presented in relationship to the romantic relationship right. and not in relationship to friendship. So where, so where did you find that point? Like, wh where did you find the entry point of these two boys and how did that resonate in something that happened in your own life? That's two very different questions, whichever no, one you want to go, it, you know. I think I realized I had, in my life, I had been Leo and I had been Remy. Um, but what I mainly realized is that all those other boys on that playground around me that I thought didn't feel those pressures of masculinity in the same way I did, that that actually was not true at all. They were all feeling those pressures. They were all going through the world feeling those expectations. I mean, not only boys, also girls right. and everyone who doesn't have, uh, identify as either of those, but I think that the body that we're born in, in this, this society, so often comes with a set of rules. And we all have to try to live up to them, and it's incredibly conflictuous. I think I realized what the structure of the film would be when I realized it was about two boys clinging to one another as hard as they could, and about a society tearing them apart. And I think I realized wow. that, the, that yeah. the dramaturgy of this film was one in two pieces. It was one, a, a piece with the signature of tenderness, and then it was about a brutality and a violence, violence slowly corrupting that. Um, of course, I, I mean, I don't write by myself. I have a co-writer, Angelo Tessens, who when he's not writing for cinema, he's a dramaturge for a theater company. Mm -hmm. And so he's someone who very much thinks in structure, in the idea of, how do we convey um, this, what we want to say, through the art of cinema and through the art of dramaturgy? And right. so we, for a very long time, look for the shape and try to rephrase what it is exactly we want the audience to feel. And in this case, 
we wanted to have a first part that would never last long enough, that we have to say goodbye to somewhere in the right. middle of that film. And that's, I mean, when you look at the, the, the early scenes, it's so yummy. Like, that, that, that I don't think I'll ever be able to... I love to that you use yummy. <laughs> yeah. It's just that when they're, when they're running through the flowers at the beginning and then Leo is, is doing it at the end, but at the, when they're running and there's just this feeling of complete possibility and beauty and... Um, also, what I found interesting about it was your ability to, ha to, to do this very emotional story, but it's very much grounded in a sense of place. So there, not only do we have the flowers, but, you, but that's his whole family. Leo's family, they're farmers, they're yeah. flower farmers. You see how they are. And you also see when Remy's mother, she, you know, she's a nurse, but she's not just an, a nurse. Like, you go in and you show who she is by going into the place. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, when, for example, these, these flower fields, be, because they became so signature for this film, the first image, there's always a first image. The first image okay. that came for this piece was two boys running among flowers. And I think first unconsciously, because for me it is very linked to my own childhood days, I grew up on the Flemish countryside among flowers and I remember running through them with my friends. And so when I thought of that idea of childhood friendship, it is the first image that came to mind. And I thought, what a pivotal, iconic image to represent childhood innocence. Two boys lost in a color book. Like that image yeah. of like that color book, that possibility, like you say. Um, but also, when I dissected it further, I thought the flower is also the symbol of fragility and of a short life. And so I really got interested in this setting and, and in, in, in using that thematically. And I thought in the transformation of tonality, what I just described as this violence arriving, we can actually translate that through the farm. Because when these machines arrive, with the sounds, with the brutality, and they cut these flowers from the fields, all of a sudden, that, that colorful world disappears and becomes right. this earth, this brown, changes tonality as right. the film does. And I feel like... Um, and, that and you and the dramaturg sat there and figured this out. You kind of said, well, this should happen at such and such minute, or it's a, yes. in the structure. Okay. Yeah, also because I think, I, I have to admit that... I cinema is my plan B. I, I didn't want to be... <laughs> I, no, I have to say, I mean, I didn't want to be a filmmaker. Okay. When I was young, I wanted to be a dancer. Ah. And so for, the, for my young life, this is what I thought I was going to become, a dancer. Um, but I, I remember this very precise moment. Uh, it was the last week of school, and we could all perform a show, like a little performance for our classmates. And I chose to do a dance solo to Christina Aguilera's Fighter, <laughs> which when I now think back of it, I'm like, that is a very courageous act of mine. <laughs> that, um, yeah. That's a statement. That's a statement. That's a very good way of putting that. And, but at the time, I, it was for me, it was really the start of shame because I remember the embarrassment of 
how I moved and how, how feminine and manuristic it was. And I remember that in that moment that I, I, I stopped dreaming about becoming a dancer. I just moved dancing inside the four walls of my room. I never danced publicly again up until like my adult life when I started right. to go to parties. And, um, and this was how old were you when this happened? I was 13. Um, okay. So. And I, I switched, I, like, I found another outlet for my creativity and I got a camera in my hands and started to run around my mother and my brother and everyone that I could possibly run after. Um, just to say that when I became, then when I went to film school and I started writing features, I felt that this desire of the dancer was still there. And when I write, I often think in choreography, I think in images, I think in sounds. I rarely, n n never actually think in spoken words or in dialogue. Wow. So when I, cr I write scripts, I write flower fields, I write hockey costumes, I, fi I find right. I write intentions of movement. But it's my co-writer who actually then confronts me and says, this is not a dance spectacle. <laughs> they, like, people are going to find it really strange if no one ever says a word. Right. And, and it's at that point that dialogue right. starts to become a part of it. But I do want to step back and go how, say how powerful the hockey scenes are. Because you see Leo becoming, like, being reshaped and being taken into the herd. Yeah, I, I think the very first thing that came was that costume because I felt like it was an armor put on this very fragile child and a way for him in the first part to really disappear into a group. All of a sudden, when you see him standing there by the side, he disappears in this flock of blackbirds, which is always something I write in the script and pr production always gets it out, like flock of blackbirds in the sky. <laughs> and I always put it in because there is for me this essence in there that I feel when you're young, so often you, you want to belong to a group and fly exactly in, that, in, their, in the right. same direction. In their formation. And, and don't always have that energy and that power to go against it. That's why I deeply admire young people that do that and can do that. I was not one of them. And so I felt like that armor... And having that character, character disappear in that group was really something important for the first part, where this young boy wants to belong to many rather than to one. Right. But I also felt in the second part mm -hmm. that is so much about that feeling of grief and responsibility that for so many of us, it's an, that is an invisible armor, something that we can never vocalize but that, that, I'm sorry, I'm, I just don't understand exactly. Like that the grief is the armor? No, I, I'm sorry. I think when we feel grief and when we are very close to someone and we lose someone and we have this feeling of responsibility, yeah. even if we know it's irrational, it is something that we carry with us and that weight can get stronger and bigger and being, become a part of us. And I felt like how do you translate that into cinema? And I really felt like that ice hockey costume was a way of visualizing that, something through which and from which nothing can enter anymore. Right. 
Um, He's masked. Yeah, exactly. And, you keep, and also as the audience, I bet you, you felt the same way, that you looked and you saw this bunch of boys and you're like, where's Leo? Where, you know, like I know his eyes and you're, uh, you kind of keep waiting to make sure that you're looking at. Now, also, we've talked about Leo, but tell me about Remy and, and, and who this boy is. I think it was, it was for us this boy who is being pushed away, that that representation. I think when I when I dissect it further, for me he's also a representation of childhood, of that moment in childhood that disappears out of the frame. Um, he's an overthinker. He's someone who's very much in his mind. Um, and I think somehow in there, it was really important for us also to speak about mental health. And uh, I, th I feel like through the character of Remy, we were able to address that topic. Which is, which is very fraught and is very contemporary right now. I mean, not that people have not, this, this whole idea of teen suicide. Yeah. There's a, there are, you know, a number of movies this, this year in the Contender series, that's like The Sun, and after sun, and there, there, there's a lot of grief. Yeah. And I'm, cu and I'm curious why you were drawn towards that, or what you, what you were connecting to in, in terms of the con contemporary world, this idea of grief and, and suicide, and can we say the word suicide? Like, is that almost too on the nose? Well, first of all, I think grief, I'm, uh, is something. I mean, we of course also come out of this period in time where we were all very much confronted with loss in, I mean, on a big scale. So I do feel like there's a lot of films tackling that topic of grief because it is such an important part of our lives and such a, a present one. I also think that I really wanted to represent grief from a child's perspective. I was someone who grieved as a child uh, and who lost as a child and I felt like I wanted to have a representation of what that is like as a child. Um, for example, the scene where Leo wets his bed, where you have like a returning in time, which is something that, that happens, often yeah. happens for mm -hmm. kids when they grieve. Um, and when it comes to the theme of violence turning inwards, I think we live in this world, in this society, where there is so much representation of war, of brutality. And for some, that just is too much. I think that there's a fragility sometimes that can't handle the, the, the brutality and the harshness of this world. And I think we are maybe more and more ready to really speak about mental health. It's difficult. It's really difficult to, to speak about the war with oneself. I feel like it maybe is. It, it, it's, ta <laughs> it's a taboo, like if we can say that. But... Um, and also when you speak out, it's like when you danced at 13 to Christina Aguilera. Yeah. If you stand in front of a stage like this and you start talking about mental health and then you go, well, in my family, this happened and that happened. And then the whole audience kind of goes, whoa, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, where are we going? It's, it's, a, a it's, it's a lot. And yet I think audiences want to see emotional stories that take on something like that or that 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 that, that uh, make you feel deeply. I feel like emotional connection is incredibly important, not only to the other, but also to oneself. 
And if we lose yeah. that, if we deprive young human beings in this case from that, there's in incredibly harsh consequences to it. Uh, sometimes, I mean, whatever they yes. may be. And um, of course, we often want to represent being young as um, a moment of possibility and desire, and it is for many. Yeah. But it's also important, I feel, to talk about those young people for whom the shadows are bigger, stronger, right. darker. And um, maybe also as an invitation to to open up that conversation. And what I was confronted with, and that was really, I mean, incredibly, an incredible realization, is when you then open up that conversation, you're confronted actually with how many people indirectly are affected by it, have been have in contact been, with have it. Have been, and gener intergenerationally, that it goes yeah. back and back, and the, and the inability to talk about it is you know what they what they say now is that because I've I've been been studying it <laughs> my life's work grief, um, but with children what you're you're not supposed to say if they say I want to kill myself or I feel suicidal or life isn't worth it the, as a parent you're supposed to, you feel like you're supposed to go oh no 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 you have a great life you're okay everything's going to be fine and you don't allow children like this to say that there's something wrong. And you're, now they say you're supposed to address it. You're supposed to say, if you're feeling suicidal, you're supposed to say, well, tell me more, you know? I feel like with parents, it's for me, it, it, it's recently it has become so important for me to pa see parents also as children of other parents. And I feel like, so we are all trying to find vocabulary and language and trying to do our best in this world. That's really something that I strongly believe in. And having that generosity for characters of parents also in our films has been incredibly important to us. Because um, finding language, finding vocabulary is something that we all try to do as we go through this world. We go to school and we learn so much about mathematics and 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 Latin in my case, and France, but we saw there's so little, such, only such a little part focused on the language of the interior, on the, the language, language of, of emotion. Empathy. Yes. You know, there's nothing. It, it just isn't part of the curriculum. And or, I feel it's yeah. important. I do really feel like it's incredibly important to stimulate that communication and that relationship. I agree. Um, I want to just ask you one before we kind of close out. Let's talk for a minute just about these specific boys and these actors and how you found them, cast them, and set them, f set them free for, to make these incredible performances. I mean, it's when you work, when you write a script and you realize you need two boys at that very precise moment between childhood and adolescence, because it lasts very shortly, you know that it's like finding needles in a... Uh, in, a, in a haystack. Thank you. I didn't know that word. Haystack. <laughs> haystack. Yeah. Uh, I was like, ooh. Um, I saw that coming. I, yes. Thank you. And so um, I went to all the schools together with uh, a friend of mine who was our child coach on set and who's also a psychologist with kids. And we went to all schools and we uh, went looking for boys who wanted to do castings for cinema. And we met many, many very talented, intelligent boys. And uh, 
I think in the end we saw over 580 of them during the summer, the year before we shot. Um, and Gustav, who plays Remy, um, was one of the boys we found in that way, who was um, who immediately struck us like this mystery and this face. The dimple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then somehow life sometimes happens in strange ways, but I was taking a train from Antwerp to Ghent. I was listening to music, and all of a sudden I look next to me, and this blonde young angel is sitting next to me, talking to his friends, very expressive. And I thought, wow, this really is an incredibly special young human being. I'm going to regret if I don't go up to him and ask him to do a casting. But I was also but a bit it's also nervous. Like nervous that you know yeah. I'm going to go up to some kid and I'm an yeah. adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I felt that. I I I, fe- I felt <laughs> that. I was like, this is going to be incredibly creepy. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to just immediately introduce myself. His friends were there. Um, we have already made a film, so there, I had some leverage to fall back right, on. Right. Like they Googled <laughs> me and saw the photo of the face that was standing in before them. Um, he has great friends, by the way. Um, and his mother read the script and allowed him to come to our castings. And from the very first moment, he just... I, feel, I felt like he came in and he was just like, I'm going to nail this. And that attitude that he had to him of like, I'm going to do this and was incredibly special to see. And between them, uh, from the moment they met, there was this chemistry that really we we understood that the horizontal collaboration between them would be possible. And then I worked with them for six months. Wow. They read the script um, very early on. We talked about the the themes of friendship. We talked about the themes of masculinity. And they resonated with it. They just shared their experience. They have had heartbreak also linked to friendship. And I only wanted them to read it once and then forget it. And what is, then in the months that come, what I do is I build, what I build with them is confidence. Uh, I will, in a very informal way, ask them, for example, when we're walking by the beach or when we're making pancakes, because God, they love pancakes. Pancakes, Um, I will ask them, why do you think that character would do that? And they get into this very active position of a detective because they're trying to find out like why their character is doing all these things. And they make it their own. I don't let them repeat texts. I find that it has to come from them. Uh, I, I also tell them that they can become co-author of this film, which excites them yeah. because it makes them much more active and they love that. Um, so I build confidence, I build comfort. They meet every crew member. Uh, they, the camera, we bring it in very early on. Mm-hmm. And actually, I ask our cameraman to film the very banal daily things. Like, we'll, we will be baking those pancakes again. <laughs> and he will just be filming us. And what is really important in that is that these boys get accustomed to that camera but that they also realize that it's not because the camera is filming that they all of a sudden have to change or, or crawl into another skin. Right. They can use their personality 
but also and and at the same time play with everything that they gathered from talking with me and then it's about creating intimacy uh, in creating bonds with these adult actors and for me in a film that is so much about intimacy it's very important that those connections also exist in reality like they spend a lot of time with the adult actors with the women with mm -hmm. the mothers in this film and their relationships get really strong so that i know when they need them on set that they can help each other right. that they can work with each other i remember this scene on the bus when leo's mother brings him the news oh. really yeah. they, that's a scene where they really work together in order to arrive at that level of performance That is something we would never have been able to do if they had not been so close to one another already in reality. Um, I think at this point we can, we'll probably want to move to the reception. Do you have one last, one last thing you want to say about this fantastic film that moved me so much? It's, it's when, you, when you write a film and you're in your, at, at your desk, you hope that there's going to be one day where you're sitting on a stage in front of a theater of people who want to watch your piece together. And so I feel incredibly lucky and privileged that you all decided to come tonight and experience this collectively in a cinema. I feel like we live in this moment where, as a filmmaker, you're also so often confronted with the phrase that people don't return to see things collectively. And so seeing you here all tonight, even though a lot of you have face masks on and I can only see the eyes, <laughs> is incredibly is an incredibly powerful feeling for me and one that really re-energizes me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thelma Link.